Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The New York Times has an article warning of studies suggesting COVID variants may perhaps negatively impact vaccine effectiveness. And COVID infection numbers, as I mentioned, down significantly in several jurisdictions, Ontario, Quebec being two of them. And some U.S. states tomorrow begin to relax restrictions of public venues. Dr. Neil Rao joins us, infectious diseases specialist in Halton, Ontario, associate professor of medicine at the University of Toronto School of Medicine. Dr. Rao, thank you very much for taking the time. And first of all, let me ask you this. this these numbers, these number drops in daily infection rates in uh, several provinces, what does that say to you? Well, it's the first time we have some good news to talk about, which is nice. Um what I can say is it's not because of the vaccine. So people will think because the vaccine was rolled out, that's why the numbers are down. We have not had enough vaccine yet to have an impact on the epidemic. So the question is, why is it getting better? So some people will say it's because of these lockdowns. I think that is debatable because there's quite a variation across Canada as to how much lockdowning has been done. And there are places that have been less restrictive that are also seeing a decline in the number of daily cases. Some of this is due to the fact that the number of people to be infected starts reducing over time. I'm not saying everybody has immunity to this virus, but as we get more people infected, a higher percentage of the population has been infected, and therefore there are a few new people left to infect, and that is partly why an epidemic can start to drop. This is what happens with flu, and this is also a respiratory virus, coronavirus, and so the same thing can happen with coronavirus, and even during the first wave, the same thing did happen. I can't say it's because of better weather, but what we can say is that the number of new deaths per day is dropping, and that is also a good sign because deaths usually happen after infections. And so when you start seeing dropping deaths, the peak of the infections have been reached a few weeks earlier because it takes a few pe- weeks for people to come into hospital and then get sick enough to rally, end up in an ICU, and then die. So when you start seeing dropping daily deaths, that's a better indicator. We're not out of the woods yet, but I think these are all very good signs. And then the question is, if the numbers are dropping, except for uh, one province in Canada where they're not, all right, Saskatchewan, if the numbers are dropping, can we start lifting restrictions? And in my view, I think we need to start thinking about peeling away at what can be removed rather than just carrying on with everything. I mean, the low point I've seen so far is in Ottawa, they were banning tobogganing at Mooney's Bay for kids. So that's yeah. the low point. Yeah. But I think we've seen extreme examples of this. And even some of the pro-lockdown columnists, like Robin Urbach has written in the Globe and Mail today, saying maybe we need to start filtering away what works and what doesn't work instead of just having a, a horizontal interdiction, you know, just stop everything. It is starting to happen, and as early as tomorrow in the United States, Massachusetts is uh, allowing bars and restaurants and public places to stay open past 9.30 p.m. They're also rescinding their stay-at-home edicts, and I believe Michigan tomorrow will also have some uh, changes as to their restrictions. Now, let me ask you this. A lot of talk over the last couple of days, particularly the last 24, 36 hours, over the rapid COVID test approved by Health Canada. What do you think? So that's yet another one. We already have the ID now that's made by Abbott that has been rolled out a lot in Ontario, but having more of these platforms help. It's not the whole answer. It does help a lot at the hospital level to have these available. So I've implemented them in the hospitals that I work at in the GTA because it can help you to pick out who has it and doesn't have it, and you can get them on the right ward. 
So you don't put them, you don't put people with COVID with those who don't have COVID. We call that cohorting. And it also helps you to get people back to a nursing home. So you find out if they're negative and it's like a passport, a ticket to ride. So it's very good for that. Is it good to test everyone and everyone for the virus? I'm not sure. If people don't have symptoms, it's still not worth testing everyone. If you're testing people with symptoms and perhaps close contacts, it has value. Having a rapid answer can help. But one of the problems that will come up is whether people need a backup test, which is a reference test or not. So unless the culture changes where we say that test is good enough as a standalone, if we're double testing people, we're not really helping with the management of the outbreak. I think we have to start accepting some of these tests, the rapid tests, even the antigen tests, as being good enough in certain circumstances instead of going for an A plus and trying to stop every case. Same thing at borders, by the way. I think we should start using antigen tests for people who arrive instead of forcing them to get a test three days before they come back. I know the government is trying to discourage people from traveling, but we can't keep living, um, uh, you know, like Cuba for the rest of our lives. We actually have to let people travel. And one of the ways of preventing people from importing the disease is to have a good testing strategy when people arrive and then five days later testing them again the same way they're doing in Alberta. I think we should be rolling them that, that out rather than trying to ban travel and making a big... Uh, political brouhaha about people who are bad over Christmas, which may have had its own story in its own weight, but I'm, I'm saying I think we've become anti-travel to a level of, of not being logical about this. Uh, time for one more question for you. Um, I read about a, a drug that can stop the post-infection organ attacks. Uh, how reliable is it? I don't know how to pronounce the name. Is it, is it colchicine? Colchicine. Colchicine is a drug we use for people with gout. That's a, an arthritis that we see in people who, who like to drink and eat cold cuts, to be precise. <laughs> sort of the pheasant hunter's foot, as they used to call it. So this drug is used. It does cause a bit of gut rot. It can cause some blood issues. Uh, blood blood, blood, blood uh, counts drop if it's, if it's given indiscriminately. It looks promising. I haven't seen it published in a peer-reviewed journal yet. I haven't seen it written in treatment guidelines written by the Canadian government or Ontario government or the World Health Organization or the U.S. So I want to sort of see it in that state before I start using it. Um, definitely don't want people to hoard this drug and prescribe it to themselves before they test positive. But the key is, if you test positive, it may be a way of keeping you from deteriorating. That's what the preliminary information says. Okay. I'm always leery about science by press release. I like to see the real thing published or at least shared the way we now share it. Well, that's why I called you. Yeah. So okay. am I using it yet? No. But okay. what I, I do have about to... it, maybe. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.